Hey everyone, Jawad here with Hit The Apex Podcast, as always, how are we doing this week? Hope everyone's well, yeah? <laughs> Please let me know how, how you're all doing, seriously, um, whether you're still enraged or, or feeling overjoyous, or you, or you don't really care, <laughs> you're adopting the Kimi Raikkonen type of approach, um... Yeah, it's been an intense week, you know, after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the championship finale for Formula One, it's all over. Did we think it was going to end like this? No. Did it deserve to end like this? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but it does kind of summarize what has been an intense championship between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen this year and Red Bull, Mercedes, uh, Toto Wolf, Christian Horner—it's—it's it's all just come together into this exhilarating, controversial conclusion, and yeah, you know, it's—it's going to go on for ages, I think. So that's why I'm asking, you know, how is everyone doing? What what's your thoughts? You know, I've been reading and then trying to avoid a lot of comments on social media in the aftermath because it has gotten a bit toxic and and not violent because you know it's you know no one's I've not seen anyone punch on yet but just very scathing you know and it's it's kind of sad you know when it comes to that and it's it's so divisive what what has happened but yeah Max Verstappen Formula One world champion for 2021 I don't want to say with an asterisk, though, given that, you know, he's put together a really good season, his best yet, he won 10 races, um, and, you know, if he didn't finish first or second, he didn't finish at all this season, you know, that's his consistency, and when he didn't finish at all, it was nothing to do with him, <laughs> except for maybe Monza, um, every other DNF this season has been out of his hands, and if you could argue that without those incidents, you know, without Baku, the tyre failure, without Silverstone uh, heading into Cops and then Hungary into Turn 1, even, you know, if we had a f proper race in Belgium and he was able to score full points, uh, he could have even wrapped up the championship before what we saw in Abu Dhabi, but yes... That's going to be the center of this episode this week, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. There's a lot to take away from it. Um, I hope, you know, you guys are patient. You guys are patient. You strap yourselves in. I'm going to do my best to, to share share it from how I think. And, you know, this is obviously, it's, it's my podcast. I can say whatever I want as long as it's within reason. I'm not going to go off on some epic tangent um, and be disrespectful to, to any particular fan groups or any side of the argument. Uh, as I've seen elsewhere on the internet, it's, it's a bit intense, but... Yeah, let's let's begin. Let's let's get into it. <laughs> and I promise I will touch on the rest of the race too and how everyone else went as well because it was a good finish for for certain teams, certain drivers. Um AlphaTauri, Ferrari, they they did pretty well. Um you know, not so good for Alfa Romeo with both their drivers out of the race and you know them they're moving on next year same for Williams as well, which we'll touch on. But let's let's go into it then. Let's go starting from the top. Um, qualifying, Max Verstappen took 
pole with that epic lap in Q3. Uh, it was looking very much in Mercedes' favour um, throughout the weekend, and you know there's been a lot of commentary about the changes made to the Yas Marina circuit that they favour um, the Mercedes. You know the the not having such stop start nature to the track. It's more fast. It's flowing. It, it suits the Mercedes as well. Red Bull having to run, you know, less arrow on the rear wing to be able to, you know, match the speeds of the Mercedes, which was all true through through practice and then even through um, early stages of qualifying. And then Max puts in that epic lap to take pole position. The stage was set, though. He was starting the race on the soft tyres, Hamilton on the mediums. Debate was whether the medium tyres, you know, obviously the medium tyres would give you the longevity, but would the soft tyres ensure that Max would lead away for the opening laps as well, which unfortunately did not happen because Hamilton blasted into the lead uh, from second. He made the start he needed to, and Max arguably making his worst start of the year, you've got to say. So whether it was all the pressure got to him, um, then we saw turn six, both guys coming together, bit of a bit bit of a shades of Brazil, um, and Hamilton having to tour the runoff. Though it appeared as if he didn't give Max the space this time, and you know he decided he cut across the chicane and got a bit of an advantage, but apparently gave enough of the gap back to Max to warrant a no investigation from the stewards. There's a whole thing out there saying that, oh, you know, they didn't do that just to return the favour for for Brazil, which (laughs) we're going to talk a lot about the adjudicating and and decisions made by, you know, the FIA, the stewards in this race. So that kind of is the first incident during the race where it's like, okay, really, are we doing this sort of thing? Um, where, you know, because it didn't happen in Brazil for one driver, we're going to let the other driver in this race take a free kick um, (laughs) without penalty. I mean, come on, like, not that it would have made much difference anyway. Hamilton, Mercedes, they had the pace during the race. It um, was looking all but sewn up for them uh, throughout most of the race. Even in the pit stops, you know, Red Bull did trigger the pit stops and undercut Mercedes, Mercedes responded immediately, and Hamilton still had the lead. Um, not even Checo Perez, Sergio Perez, his efforts, you know, which have been blasted by, I think, Sebastian Bourdais, uh, former F1 driver, multiple um, IndyCar race winner, has come out and said that, you know, that's you call that racing. I thought you liked racing, um, but I thought Checo did a great job. That's he played the team game to try and hold up Hamilton. You know, defended against him for a few corners just so uh, Max could close the gap. And then, even then, you know, once that gap was closed, Hamilton just managed to to skip away. So they had the measure of Red Bull on race pace. It was looking all but over until we saw a crash on lap 53 from Nicholas Latifi. Whilst fighting Mick Schumacher in turn 14, Latifi goes into the wall. It was a, it was a you know, decent shunt, you know, a shunt to warrant the safety car, you know, which earlier in the race we heard when Antonio Giovinazzi pulled over and retired his Alfa Romeo, we heard the communication from Toto Wolff directly, you know, this is the team principal, not the team manager, which, you know, we've seen in or heard in previous races, Ron Meadows from Mercedes communicating with the FIA with race control. We heard Toto Wolf directly saying no safety car. I mean, come on. 
that is unheard of and quite stupid. You know, I mean, it's it's it might get a bit fiery for me on this in on this episode. So please brace yourself. I wish I could swear. You know, I mean, maybe I should, but nah, I've, I've not put a um explicit language warning on any of my episodes yet. So why start? <laughs> Otherwise, it'd just be it'd just be me being a trash bag. Not that I'm not, but anyway, let's 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 get it back on track here. So Toto coming on the radio when Giovinazzi um, pulls over and is like, no safety car, please, no safety car. Who is he to decide when they can have a safety car or not? You know, it reminded me of um, the race before in Qatar when they put out the red flag and Hamilton's like, well, the barrier's not damaged, you know. Who is he an expert in what the safety of the track is? You know, it's, I mean, not that I'm against people having an opinion, but, like, come on, guys, that's not your job to dictate that. You focus on what you're doing and let um, the other people, race control and the FIA, as, you know, incompetent as they were in certain scenarios, to figure this stuff out. So... You know, it wouldn't have been surprising if Toto had said the same thing about the Latifi crash. No safety car, please. But, you know, given that we were, what, lap 53, races 58 laps wrong, long, um, they, needed a, they needed a safety car to clear up the debris on the track, you know, to get the Williams off the track too. It was in the final sector, so not a lot of runoff on that inside before you get to the final two corners and pit entry. So they needed to do that. Um, Red Bull decided to take a gamble under that pit stop and uh, put Max on the soft tyre, which obviously put him further behind Hamilton and put some lapped cars between them as well. So Red Bull, I guess, you know, took that gamble thinking that, you know, we might get a couple of laps might get a couple of racing laps in here towards the end of the race even if it's just one racing lap you know they on the soft tires could easily uh, round out Hamilton on the used set of hard tires as well and that's where something in hindsight you can say well Mercedes should have really covered off um, Hamilton they should have really covered off Max there and pit their driver too because what was there to um, what would they have lost by having done a pit stop you know they lost certainly without having a pit stop. You know, that's one argument. That's one way you can see it too. I'm sure, you know, that'll garner a bit of hate saying, oh, you know, oh, you know, it's all the FIA's fault. You know, I mean, yeah, parts of it is, but, you know, Mercedes, if they were thinking every possible scenario, you know, and they've, they've been great at strategy for the last, you know, you don't win eight constructors' championships without, you know, um, having the great strategists in their team um, pull things out of the rabbit uh, hat or pull rabbits out of the hat or whatever. So, yeah, you know, in hindsight, you could say that Mercedes should have pit Hamilton as well under that safety car just to cover off any threat of Verstappen. I'm not sure if um, they had, I think they were, they were saying that they might not have had fresh mediums or no set of fresh hards. Um, I'm not sure if they had softs even, but like just, you know, put them on a better tire that wasn't as worn as, as what he was currently on, you know, which he only did the one pit stop in the race. At least that would have covered. So race control, obviously, you know, in the spirit of racing, which, you know, I've got to, you know, give them a bit of credit for the fact that they 
didn't want the season to come to an end behind a safety car. You know, they didn't want the championship to come to an end behind a safety car. That's not, you know, for the sake of entertainment. That's also in a sporting sense too. Like, we're here to go motor racing is what um, is what Michael Massey said along those lines. Um, you know, as much as people want to compare F1 to WWE and, and entertainment and whatnot, uh, <laughs> certain parts of what happened that day, yes, you can say that, you know, it, it reeked of wanting to put on a show and make it spectacular, yada, yada, yada. But the idea of them wanting to make sure that, you know, they were able to get some racing in at the end is not a bad thing, you know. I think it would have been pretty bad, maybe not as worse as what we're the response that we've gotten at the moment, but it would have still been bad if, you know, the season came to an end behind a safety car. I'm sure there would have been a lot of Red Bull supporters in particular, Max Verstappen supporters, um, the, the Orange Army or the Pumpkin Army as we've decided to change the <laughs> me, me, and, me and Joshua Kerr who was on the podcast earlier this year. Um, closet Verstappen fan, of course. We've, we've uh, nicknamed them the Pumpkin Army now. Um it would have been it would have been just as bad as a reaction, I think, you know. And this is this is certainly, sorry, I shouldn't say just as bad. It wouldn't have been this bad, but it would have still been a bad reaction. You're always going to have winners and losers, but you know the fact that they wanted to get the race restarted, but also the way that both team principals, so not even the team managers anymore, as I said earlier, Toto Wolf and then Christian Horner lobbying for for what they want, you know, so um, Christian obviously wanting the race to be restarted ASAP, getting into Michael Massey's ear, of course, the race director who's trying to ensure that the track is safe enough for them to go back racing, and he actually made that clear too, it's like, I'm trying to make sure it's safe enough for a restart before we do it, so already, you know, like, race control, um, race director is one of those unenviable positions where you've got to make these decisions, and we, we debated, or I debated about this and talked about it on last week's show after what happened, and, 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 uh, Saudi Arabia, sorry, not um, Qatar, um, and again, you know, it's come down to something that's happened in race control or f- with the race director that has impacted the race negatively, and, you know, you wonder if if all that pressure wasn't being put on him, would it be a different story, you know, and yes, it's it's great that we've been able to hear them talk to, to Massey on the team, on the, on the broadcast and whatnot, but at the same time, I don't think it would have made much of a difference to me personally if we didn't have that communication broadcast or that expectation that we're going to have some spicy radio communication between the teams and the race director directly, you know, I think ignorance would have been bliss in that instance. So going back to Max pitting for softs, Mercedes not deciding to do that for Hamilton, Race Control were ready to do a restart. Initially, they had said that the lapped cars would not be allowed to unlap themselves given how close to the end of the race we were and their desire to get the race restarted. Then shortly after that call on the penultimate lap of the race, they indicate or they send out the communication that 
the following five cars are allowed to unlap themselves, and they're the five cars that are between race leader Hamilton and Verstappen in second place. So that was highlighted by Mercedes post-race with a protest and, um, you know, appeal. Uh, that it was a breach of, I think, Article 48.12 of the FIA Sporting Code, that, you know, it has to be any lapped cars, which pretty much says all the lapped cars need to um, unlap themselves before the safety car comes in, if indicated to do so. So, like, that, the fact that they did say that lapped cars need to unlap themselves, but only the five cars, that was the breach. Yet, Article 48.12, 13 says that the race director is allowed to basically override that and um you know in for whatever reason and then that's kind of the hail mary there for for massey in that instance you rewind to last year the eiffel grand prix there at the nurburgring and um lando norris having his uh, unfortunate day and them putting out a safety car for that rather lengthy safety car too mind you given that it wasn't actually accident damage that had um taken norris out of the race it was actually a a car failure people complained why is the safety car out so long and massey's argument was well all the lapped cars have to unlap themselves so you know some rather smart people have gone and dug that up you know from from last year and said you know if he's going to say that you know in the interest of racing we i had to override article 48.12 um then what about last year at the eiffel grand prix why didn't he do that so it was a bit of eating a bit of humble pie there (laughs) and that kind of highlights the whole thing that we've been going on about everyone's been going on about since the since brazil the inconsistent rulings and adjudications that you know on in this instance has spoilt the biggest day of the year in terms of formula one in terms of the championship that it dictated how it was decided but me trying to look at it from all aspects, you know, I think you can't solely put the blame on Massey and, and race control as much as they do have to um, answer for what they've done. You know, it's the cumulative, um, it's the cumulative stresses and gr- grievances from the the team principals, the team managers as well. You know, Toto and and Christian that has for me, really muddied the perception of F1 this year, you know, F1 looks like a shambles towards the world, and there's some of us who are like, oh, there's some fans out there, I've got a a particular friend who's been watching F1 for more than two decades, um, and his favourite era was early 2000s Ferrari Schumacher dominance or whatever um and he reckons that this season's probably one have been one of the best and he's probably watched the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix two or three times now because it just he's never seen anything anything like that before neither have I like it's it's definitely one of those once in a generation type instances um that you know we got to it was all but sewn up for Hamilton and then on the final lap, it all changes. Uh, it all changes 
when the race, so the race is restarted um, with one lap to go. Those five cars taken out of the way of um, between Hamilton and Verstappen. Verstappen on his fresh set of soft tires. He's able to get the run on him down to the turn five hairpin. Dives down the inside, gets the job done. Max Verstappen, you are the world champion. And there it is. <laughs> but yes, the inconsistencies in the rulings and the adjudication, the whole shambles is has just made it a real mess. You know, it does... If I thought I had a bit of taste in my mouth after the Saudi Grand Prix... I do feel a lot more bitter about what transpired in Abu Dhabi. Not taking anything away from Verstappen. You know, he had a great season, did Max, and he's a deserved world champion. But just what occurred, the postscript as well with, you know, the fact that um, many are going to look at it as if it has an asterisk next to its name, um... Further appeals, you know, could could Mercedes take this to the court of arbitration of sport, you know, international take it to international court even, you know, could the results of the race be overturned? You know, that could have major ramifications, not only for the championship, but for just the sport in general. Like, what is that going to, as if this hasn't already done enough damage, what is that appeal going to do? You know, is that... It's going to make Mercedes obviously look like, you know, uh, they're chewing on sour grapes or whatever. And they have every right to be upset. But at the same time, it's like, when do we move on and look at next year? When do we try to make things right? And to me, putting somebody in the firing line or, or sacking people is not the right thing to do. What needs to happen here, and this is, I said this after Saudi as well, is that the FIA and Ray and Massey in particular needs to put their foot down, become a bit of a dictator, and make his authority final. Because this is where I don't think the teams or the team principals have any respect for the race director, like they did with Charlie Whiting, for example. And yes, rest in peace, Charlie. We don't want to keep bringing your name into this, like, you know, Christian Horner did last time. But, you know, the team certainly had this respect, and the team personnel, team principals, drivers, they all had this respect for for Charlie, which, you know, Massey also, uh, he needs to earn it, that's for sure. But I think by putting mechanisms in place where not only, as, as Ross Brauner says, that there's plans already in the works to ban communications from team principals and even team personnel directly to Massey. You know, there should be, you know, someone between him that they communicate with or whatever and and they can just pass on the message or whatever if appropriate. But also, they need to sit down before the 2022 season, the FIA, the teams and the drivers, Michael Massey, and clear up the rules. You know, it's already a complex rule book as it is, but they need to make it black and white. I said as well, let's do it. Let's get a consistent panel of stewards. Stop with this rotating cast, you know, because everyone's got different different opinions on what's a racing incident, what's not, you know, what's a five, what can what warrants a five second time penalty and a um, drive through penalty, for example? You know, it's been so inconsistent. And then 
what occurred earlier in the race, the fact that, you know, oh, you know, because Max didn't get a penalty in Brazil, we'll, we'll let Hamilton have a free kick on this one too. It just looks like a joke. You know, I mean, I've seen so many sports where um, people blow up about refereeing and, and decisions and they've got technology, you know, they've got the, like cricket has DRS, they've got the bunker in, you know, the rugby league and, you know, they've got also uh, tennis as well. You can you can review um, calls by the umpire as well. Um, but I've never seen this much inconsistency you know, in a brand of motorsport, which is meant to be the pinnacle of open wheel racing, it certainly doesn't look like the pinnacle at all. Um, but yes, firing people, sacking people is not going to be the solution. If next year the same thing happens, or we get the same sort of uh, outcomes to decisions like we've seen this year, next year, that's when you can say, okay, mate, we don't think you're the right fit for the job um, and we've got to try elsewhere. Simple as that. You know, I reckon give them another chance. They also need to clear up all the all these complex regulations and rules. Maybe do a little overhaul of the stewarding panel as well. You know, make that a bit more consistent because, you know, Massey, he was, you know, under Charlie Whiting's wing did all the right things, then thrust into the position at the last, um, at the 11th hour as well, in rather unfortunate circumstances. So, I fully think that yes, we should we should give him another chance, but there has to be, you know, answers for what went on in this instance, you know. And he comes from, you know, his mantra of, you know, trying to race, you know, let's go, it's called motor racing, it's called car racing, Toto, that's respectable, that's respectable in my eyes, I want to see car racing, I want to see competitive racing, without the whole, you know, WWE style, whatever, everyone is trying to compare F1 to, or, you know, bag on Netflix for, it it just wants to be a, a show or whatever, I mean, the same people making those complaints, are probably the same people who whinged about Mercedes dominating the sport for the last, what, eight years now in the Constructors' Championship, but then also, you know, 2015 when it was a walkover, 2017, 18, 19, you know, they're probably same people who, who whinged about that sort of thing. Uh, like, I mean, what, what pleases people, you know? F1's not a sport where you sit there and whip yourself um, to just, you know, pain is pleasure kind of thing, you know, pleasure is seeing your your favourite team win, seeing close competition between the rivals, seeing fair competition as well, maybe a bit of pushing the boundaries like we've seen between Hamilton and Verstappen on track, but when it comes to the stewarding side of things, that's where it has to be consistent, and, you know, one person cannot be favoured over the other, that's it. You know, I don't know what more to add. Um, the FIA have launched a probe, they've said, into the safety car controversy, but them blaming the fans for their reaction and, you know, trying to... They're fueling the fire on social media. That's a bit of a low blow from, from them, you know. It doesn't it hasn't really 
um, painted a good picture of them, certainly. They're not going to be very popular, um, and I have to agree with that, certainly, because it's like, well, you know, people are allowed to react the way they do. It might not be the right way to react, but they certainly can react in that way, and blaming them is certainly from a big organization's point of view it's it's a bit petty i think so they really need to do some internal soul searching they've got to work with the teams and the drivers for next season otherwise it's just yeah going to be a laughing it's going to continue to be a laughing stock um in front of the rest of the world and that makes me really sad because i love f1 you know, we've been through so much over the years, you know, ever since I started watching it properly. There's been a lot of controversies. There's been a lot of times where, you know, things have happened that have been unfair, things that have happened that have favoured one side but not the other. Um, one team has dominated, you know. I mean, this has been one of the most amazing seasons to date, you know. I, you go back to the 20, 2010s, early 2010s, when... Red Bull were dominating, and, you know, 2012 was probably one of my favorite championships. This, you know, would would have easily eclipsed it, eclipsed it if it wasn't for the bitterness that came afterwards, you know, and, and 2016 was quite good as well, even though it was an internal Mercedes battle going on. But, yeah, you know, this is just certainly left a, a very bitter taste in, in my mouth and the mouth of all the fans out there who are raging at each other, and then that's the sad thing, you know, people arguing with each other and raging at each other, you know, like, we should, we should just try and lobby against, I don't know, I, I, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, I th- I'm just, I think I'm ready for, <laughs> to say goodbye to 2021, um, in, in a week's time, and, and just put, the, the season behind me now because it's 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 been one of those years where it could have been great but then this had to go and ruin it anyway yeah look um give give me your thoughts give me your feedback um through twitter or or wherever you can find me even on my instagram um i'd be keen to hear it you know i've, I've read a lot the last week i've been writing a lot not necessarily about the incident but just about the season in general and having had the time to reflect on the season overall i've seen so many highlights that you know have have really impressed me and um made me feel that this has been a really good season despite what what happened in Abu Dhabi you know we've had 12 drivers finish on the podium this year out of 20 sorry 13 drivers on the podium out of the 20 we've had eight of the 10 teams represented on the podium too this year you know first time race winner Esteban Ocon McLaren winning their first race since 2012 Carlos Sainz as well, who finished third in this race in Abu Dhabi, benefiting from another late slow puncture for Lando Norris, who ended up just scoring points, and Sainz putting together his best season in F1, um, finishing fifth ahead of Norris and his teammate Leclerc and Daniel Ricciardo as well. There's just so many good things to, to highlight, and, you know... In a year that's been so difficult for so many people, you know, we need to kind of look for the positives and try and put behind this controversy because at the end of the day, as I said at the top of the piece, I still think Verstappen was the deserving driver this year to win. You know, he's had some unfortunate incidents 
earlier in the year, which have impacted how many points he's finished on, you know, that haven't all been of his own doing, and, you know, same with Lewis Hamilton too, he's, you know, he started off the season, Mercedes started off the season not with the fastest car, not as, not even as favourites, you know, then he went on to win three of the first four races, you know, and he's just basically stayed in the fight until they were able to get an upgrade to, to overtake the Red Bull, and then the run that he went on in the last few races, you know, winning three on the balance between Brazil and, and Saudi, and then he would have all, he could have won the last race too if it wasn't for, for the safety car, and I still think that controversy aside, if they had pitted Hamilton, they would have been fine, you know, they would have easily had the, the ties and the grip to be able to defend against Verstappen, you know, and give Hamilton the confidence to do that. So, yeah, you know, like, I'm probably, you know, it's just what I think at the end of the day. You might think it's right, you might think it's wrong, but at the end of the day, and at the end of the day, it's what I think, you know. And I'm as I'm just as aggrieved as everyone else, you know. I'm not saying, oh, you know, the FIA was faultless. We, you know, and I'm defending them or whatever. They're they're just as every bit guilty as everyone is saying they are. Um, but some of the hate is, is crossing the line a little bit and, you know, that needs to be looked at. But anyway, let's, let's stop that now. Let's, let's get over that. It took half an hour for me to go over the whole, whole controversy. Um, we'll see what happens with, with further appeals from Mercedes and, you know, this probe that the FIA has launched as well. Mercedes have already, you know said something along the lines that they're not going to appear at the the gala or they're not going to have their car there for the prize giving and everything which i think is really a bit, bit sour grapes from them you know they should just come accept their runner-up prize or whatever and just look forward to next year because next year is going to be a big year with the new technical regulations and the new cars as well so and I still think Mercedes is probably better equipped than any other team um and can easily go for a championship next year Lewis go for an eighth championship you know and get get payback for this year as such that's what the narrative should be but anyway as I said, completing the podium was Carlos Sainz, his uh, third or fourth podium this year, which is it's been a great year for him to finish fifth in the in the drivers' championship and coming right at the end too. I mean, um, if Lando didn't have uh, had the end to the year that he did, he would have easily been fifth, and you know Lando up in third for quite a while as well. Um, when you look at it, um, career best result, as I said, for Yuki Tsunoda as well, um, with him finishing just ahead of teammate Pierre Gasly, so fourth and fifth for them. Still not enough to beat. Alpine in the Constructors' Championship, 13 points with a gap, was the gap between those two for 5th and 6th in the Championship, Fernando Alonso 8th and Esteban Ocon ninth in that race, uh, Lando Norris there in 7th between them, then Valtteri Bottas, you know, in his final race for Mercedes, a bit disappointing, um, he had a poor start, worse than Verstappen's start, mind you, and dropped behind... Um, you know, fell into the the midfield. He recovered to finish sixth and get the points that they 
and Mercedes needed to clinch their eighth constructors championship. So that also needs to be highlighted and applauded as well that you know they're eight-time constructors world champions which has never been done before in a row you know consecutive constructors championships um so it's still such a great team you know despite not getting the drivers championship this year it's still a team effort and in my season my series of season review pieces that I've written for the raw that you can find um, through my link tree as well um, I did a whole thing on the tail of the number two drivers so not only Bottas but also Checo Perez as well and my conclusion basically was that Bottas was the better wingman this year you know and even though we had our own criticisms throughout the year about Bottas and his performances, I still think he was the more consistent driver in getting the results on the Sunday, you know, and him, the amount of times he finished on the podium, the points he collected, it ultimately contributes to that Constructors World Championship at the end of the day. So that was good for them in that respect. But, you know, sixth, I think it wasn't, you know, the way he would have wanted to end his Mercedes career. And we've already seen him drive for Alfa Romeo in the um, postseason tyre test, which I'll talk about briefly um a bit later on but yeah you know six for Bottas not what I would have expected but he did keep up his um run of Q3 appearances he's not in his entire Mercedes stint he hadn't failed to make it to Q3 in qualifying so that's an impressive statistic for him in that uh, rounding out the points was Charles Leclerc in 10th, so, you know, Ferrari, they did seal out third in the Constructors, um, over McLaren, 48.5 points, and when you look at where Daniel Ricciardo finished in the race, 12th, I've highlighted that he was pointless, as in, he didn't get any points in this race, but also a bit pointless, you've got to say, throughout the season, you know, a thought a driver of his caliber would have adjusted to the team a bit quicker you know he's obviously on bigger money than Lando Norris he's a race winner he won a race this year and of course you know that it's still one of the highlights of this season for McLaren but when you put together the whole season the amount of points that he lost did contribute heavily to that deficit to Ferrari so they will hope certainly next year is a different story Otherwise, you know, if Ricardo doesn't work out, I, I do like the, the idea of a um, a certain Mexican indie car driver who who almost won the championship this year, possibly coming in, you know, and boy, just, he just, yeah, wearing that McLaren race suit, you know, that he, Pato, I'm talking about Patrizio O'Ward, Pato O'Ward, of course, um, you see him wearing the McLaren uh, F1 overalls, he looks like a McLaren F1 driver, <laughs> he certainly got that part sorted, and he was like a kid in a candy store, basically, so I would certainly, you know, put pressure on Ricardo next year to perform um Lando as well you know probably less pressure on him given what a year he's had a lot of highs couple of lows but you know overall he did the better job so yeah you know I would I'd say that O'Ward is um kind of breathing down old Danny Boy's neck there so hopefully we do see Ricardo recover because I do lo- like Ricardo of course not just because he's Aussie but He's a good bloke, but he needs to perform. That's that's the that's the crux of it. And um, you know, 
hopefully we do get to see O'Ward race for McLaren or in Formula 1 at some point too. I'll leave it at that. Um, we had double DNFs, as I said, for not only Alfa Romeo, but for Williams as well. Um, George Russell having problems early on in the race. He was out. Uh, Alfa Romeo, as I mentioned earlier, Giovinazzi, and then Kimi Raikkonen as well. He had a bit of a uh, tour into the turn six runoff, damaged his front wing, and I think part of his suspension or something. And then when they did try to change the tyre, um, they had a sticky wheel nut or something so bit of a bit of a sad note for Kimmy to end his career on of course he was still voted driver of the day by the fans as well which you know I mean for a driver that DNF like midway through the race I mean it's a bit of a broken system but it is kind of respectful to the great man the 2007 world champion gotta also say um I did I guested on F1 Grid Talk uh, for F1 Chronicle in their Kimi Raikkonen tribute episode, which went out um, late last week. So please check that out. I'll try and put a link in the description as well. I got described. I won't. I won't say the full term, but I, uh, you know, did 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 get described a, a bit of a slang word by George House and <laughs> love you, George. Um, because I was wearing full full Kimi Raikkonen Lotus F1 kit, you know, so uh, I won't re- I can't repeat the word um, here without without putting the e tag on um, on the show. But yeah, yeah, w- what they say in the UK if you if you're wearing full kit with the W word. Um, but I had to, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Kimi. Um, I wouldn't dare wear a piece of Ferrari merchandise. That's for sure. You could get rid of that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I loved him when he made his comeback uh, to the sport with Lotus and, and all that, um, the the cult status that he achieved in that time, it was quite fascinating and, you know, just teach teaches you, you know, and I they summarized it on, on that episode really well too, you know. He taught a lot of people to basically just be themselves and say it like it is and not let, not take things too too seriously or like don't take it to heart don't take the disappointment to heart or whatever even though maybe he did in secret we never know but yeah we will miss Kimi certainly next year Sergio Perez as well out of the race um there was a theory a few conspiracy theories out there that they perhaps underfueled him um and the plan was always to retire, so underfueling him so that he could, you know, be a bit more speedy to to help Max in the championship battle. No, like, official reason, I think, went out. I can't remember. They, I did remember hearing it on, on the Ted's notebook after the race, but I can't recall. Anyway, and then you had Nikita Mazepin miss the uh, um, race altogether because he had a positive COVID test on the morning of the race and was displaying mild symptoms. So, yeah, he did not race and Mick Schumacher was the only Haas car there finishing 14th and last of the classified finishers. And then you had the Aston Martins 11th and 13th as well. Not much to say about them as, as always but I have written a bit on them on uh, the rest of the best um, piece that will be published hopefully tomorrow. So as again, check that out through my link tree. Yeah, that's that's all the F1 stuff, I think, you know, apart from the, the test. I wanted to say massive congratulations as well to Oscar Piastri becoming Formula 2 champion for this year. He was excellent um, in the first sprint race of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix weekend, 
reverse grid. So I think he started like eighth or something and finished third to collect his F2 title. And he's won three championships in a row now. So it was like European Formula 3 or Formula Renault or something like that. Then the Formula 3 championship last year and then Formula 2. Yet he doesn't have a seat on the F1 grid for next year. Explain that. I mean, I'm not going to go into a rant about that. Because that could also take another 45 minutes to go over. But, you know, he'll learn some valuable information, hopefully, by spending the year as the reserve and test driver for Alpine. The simulator will get a good workout, I'm sure. And if we do have Fernando Alonso decide that 2022 is going to be his last season, or maybe Esteban Ocon moves on, or is moved on, then Piastri's in the... uh, pole position as they say for that seat in 2023 so I look forward to that indeed another bit of news confirmed today as well um the MGUH has uh officially been ditched for the new engine rules from 2026 so that's been finally confirmed um exciting because that will should also mean that we will see uh, the likes of portionality come into the sport and what capacity we don't know yeah, but they will be building their own power units, so that'll hopefully um, mean that we do have a cost-efficient um, hybrid powertrain, which you know has got road relevance and also makes for some fast Formula One cars. So we look forward to that. And then finally, the postseason tire test that we had in Abu Dhabi as well—they were trying out the 18-inch Pirelli rims on the current spec cars, but it also gave the opportunity for some young drivers to get behind the wheel. We saw. Ferrari junior driver Robert Schwartzman, of course, do f- do the test for Ferrari on the first day, and then he was actually quickest in the Haas on day two. But he's definitely a guy that I would like to see get a shot in F1 at some point in the future. Of course, Teo Chair is being considered as well for Alfa Romeo in the future because he is, um, you know, like favorite driver of, of Frederick Vasseur. Sorry, I just trailed off there for whatever reason. But yeah, we also saw, as I said before, Patrizio O'Ward do the test for McLaren. Guan Yu Zhou getting in with Alfa Romeo. Bottas as well got his first driver, the Alfa Romeo too. Um, George Russell in the Mercedes. Nick DeVries in the Mercedes as well. Um, so yeah, that kind of concludes the track running for Formula 1 in 2021. Also, the final track running of the specification of cars too, which is kind of kind of sad and special because as much as, you know, people criticised F1 during the hybrid era, and it's also mainly because, you know, there was no um, competitive racing to... Like, this. that's the thing, you know, F1 fans I find always, or certain F1 fans always need to scapegoat something and you know at the start of the hybrid era it was the the engines you know the fact that they weren't as loud as the v8s as robust as the v8s um i feel like that that criticism was merely because they needed to criticize that because there was no no competitive racing you know it was just mercedes versus mercedes and that only gets you so far as far as entertainment is concerned and everyone else was so far behind but then in recent years, we've heard less complaints about the engine because we've had such great racing um, between between teams and, you know, Red Bull and Mercedes this year. You know, you had the years where Ferrari were there. We've had a much tighter midfield battle too. 
So it, it's kind of nice not having to hear those complaints. And anyway, like these cars, you know, introduced in 2017, these monsters to design to break all of the <laughs> break all the track records or whatever, which I think they did did a good job of um, breaking quite a few of the existing track records, which dated back to 2004. You know, you'd either see you know Montoya or, or Barrichello or Schumacher's names next to those fastest lap times back in the day but yeah you know um having those broken they were just truly fascinating you know and i love the part of the mgh that i love and you know sadly we might even miss in in 2026 when when we get the new specification engine is the fact that there's so much talk from these with the with the twin turbos not turbos not twin turbos far out I've forgotten. <laughs> so, anyway, with these turbocharged engines, the amount of torque that you get, you know, I'm surprised that there's no, you know, like they're not more uncontrollable than you would think a turbocharged car with that much torque and whatnot is, and also the turbo lag. And the MGUH helped with a lot of that. And, you know, that'll be sad when that goes. So maybe the cars will be more harder to drive when, when that happens. But anyway, that that's about it. So, yeah, I think that's, um, you know, on that note, I'll, I'll have to bid you adieu for this, for this week's episode. I'll uh, be back next week to do some kind of season review. I uh, try to kind of do those, not unplugged, but, you know, kind of like unscripted, you know, just have a little casual chat, not that I, not, you know, you guys think that I do it anyway, um, every other week, but yeah, just kind of just do a little reflection, I've obviously got these, um, articles that are written as well that I can go off to, so it's just been nice having gone back and looked at, you know, the results of all the races this year, and the highlights as well, and just, you know, various moments where things have happened it's it's been real good and we've had a great season otherwise but um all the things that have happened all the all the criticisms that i've brought to the fore in this episode as well i really hope that they can address you know before next year because we don't want to see a repeat of that and we really need f1 to get its credibility back as well with the fans because you know at the moment it's 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 like it this is probably the most I've heard Formula One being talked about um by the rest of the world yet it's not for the great reasons so not for good reasons so hopefully that can change and we hear about it for good reasons um in 2022 other than that thank you for joining me uh take care be sure, obviously, check check out the link tree for, for all my links and Twitter as well at Hit the Apex Media. And um, yeah, I'll catch you guys next week. Bye.